Welcome back. This is your host, Rob Morris. You're listening to the Rims and S podcast. We're in the second segment. All right, so I'm going to briefly just, I'm going to briefly go back a little bit, uh, talk about, you know, briefly wrap up the FIBA World Cup. We got to mention a few details with Team USA. Um, like I said, just they're shocking. Um, you know, finish. They they finished seventh, seventh place. They weren't able to, to qualify for the for the medal round or qualify for uh you know uh for that championship round. And the, the that that top four, they weren't able to get into that top four. They end up losing to France. Uh, Rudy Gobert had a monster game, had a, like a 21 and 17 rebound game. It just was dominating inside. And really, that's probably the weakness why they were going to lose because they really lacked a lot of size this year. And that's that's what it is. I, when people, people don't understand about the small ball era is that you're gonna you, you eventually you're gonna have to you're gonna have to have a solid big man to really you know that can you know that can defend like like France had a guy like that in Rudy Gobert that can defend rebound and that was the difference in the game. I th- I felt like maybe United States was the more athletic team, maybe a slightly bit more talented than France, but because they had such a deficiency inside. France was able to exploit it with Rudy Gobert, and they didn't have the uh, a big guy that can counter him. Maybe a guy that can, you know, take him away from the rim. I mean, they did. They, uh, they do have Brook Lopez, but obviously Brook Lopez was not effective enough to really, you know, they didn't have like a Demarcus Cousins or a guy that you know can. That's a a premier, you know, premier center in, in the NBA to. And that's what happens when you have all these dropouts. Everybody in them, like I said, I was joking around my uh, one of my coworkers. I was like, "This is what happens when everybody in the mother drops out, and then you have no death. You're in your sixth. You're you're in the cis. You're pretty. Your team is basically the C level team of what you could have been, or the D level team. I say I say this team was probably the worst team USA team that we've ever." assemble for like an international tournament is by far the worst you got guys that were like probably like there was like a good four or five or possibly pretty much the whole team i have to say were like first time team usa players pretty much the whole team i think kimball was probably in one i think he was in one team usa um team far as i know i don't think anyone else was Harrison Barnes is probably the second guy I can know that's been there. And that's it. It was like probably two or three guys at most that have competed in international level for Team USA. So we had that lack of experience and that lack of chemistry coming into these these event this type of event where a lot of these teams loaded up, you know, and the teams that you know that I felt loaded up. They didn't even make it to the top four. I mean, they lost to a France team that I I, I knew France was going to be good, but I didn't know they were going to be as good as they that they were. 
obviously, you know, when they had Tony Parker a couple years back, they've obviously been, um, they've been up there. You know, Tony Parker's always been the top player in the world when it comes down to point guards. I thought he was one of the top point guards in the world. I mean, he, at times he could take over games. Is the reason why the Spurs were, had, had so much success because of Tony Parker. And then obviously, you know, you want to go to, you know, Argentina with Mono Ginobili. Doesn't that's another way of explaining the dominance of you know those countries, Argentina and, and France. They're pretty much those are the um, those are the top teams. But yeah, to make a uh, a, a short uh, long story short, I just think like. The lesson of this is just Team USA um, has to bring a. They have to not overlook these tournaments. I know this is not the Olympics. I know it's not, but I feel like FIBA World Cup is pretty important. It's probably the 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 one of the more important events. I mean, this is probably bigger than the Olympics. You have more teams. It's a bigger tournament. I think it's probably the the creme de la creme in the world face off in this tournament. Like, I would think you want to be well-represented. That's why it's a shame, like, Team USA and, and Team Canada that don't even, like, put out their best teams because they want to prepare for the NBA season. But I felt like it was getting really ridiculous with the dropouts this year. Like, if you're, if you're already in camp two weeks in, this should be, like, a deadline where if you don't – if you – like, probably, like, a week deadline. If you can't – if you make it past this week, then you're locked in. You can't say, I'm going to drop out. Like, because those guys dropping out, like, literally the week before they were going to China. De'Aaron, uh, De'Aaron Fox dropped out maybe a couple. Like, he already had two. He already played in two expositions, and he decides to drop. I just feel like at, before you play exposition, you can't drop out. Because I felt like that was... That really hurt them too. Just having a, a lot of guys drop out and just key key guys drop out at that. Like De'Aaron Fox, I thought could have been the difference. He could have been the difference. Um, uh, there was another big guy, Ma- Ma- Marvin Bagley. He dropped out. I, I I made a whole team. I I made I put him on my team. Uh, a couple of days later, he dropped out. So I was like, oh shoot! I made a whole team that I thought was gonna make the Team USA team, and then I had to like cross. You know, I had to like pick all those players out that didn't even make the team that end up drop. I mean, that made the team and they end up dropping out. So just, I don't know. Just I just thought the key. Let's just shorten it because I'm trying to just. I got a lot of stuff to go over. I got the obviously I got a lot a lot of high school new news to get get to you right now. I got a lot of high school news. I got um like I said the top 100, the 40 through 60 for New England high school the class of 2020 and then i got the five through seven college basketball so i gotta shorten this up but yeah i'm I'm gonna wrap it up but yeah like just a lesson just the world's catching up with the united states so they have to they have to have a, a better system where if like i said some a lot of people don't care there's a lot of people that obviously don't really have a lot of interest in 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 these type of tournaments but as far as like a basketball junkie like me, I I do, I do invest time in it, and I and I do enjoy watching the games. For some reason, I'm just really nerdy like that. 
I liked uh, the whole um, national anthem thing. Like, I don't know. I'm just, I'm really quirky like that. It's just like, same thing I like college football. It's the same type of feel. It's just a different environment that you don't normally see in an NBA game or in, in, a, in an NFL game. You don't see, you know, all these quirky things that they have in these, you know, in a, in a college basketball game or 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 a, a FIBA uh, um, a tournament game. Like you, it's little things, little nuances that I that I enjoy that make make it seem enjoyable for me to watch it. Plus, I love basketball, so combine that, that's why I watch. But yeah, the world's catching up with the United States, so they can't overlook teams anymore. They can't feel like, well, even if we have our C-level team, we'll still get a medal. This was a lesson learned. Like, don't shortchange your teams. Team USA, don't short, don't shortchange them, and try to, you know, probably at this point you might have to put like a uh, a sixty man training camp just so that way you have enough depth you know a 40 minute i mean they started out with a, a 30 man training camp now you might need to go maybe 40 maybe 50 just so that way you can withstand all the all the potential dropouts but yeah they should have a deadline for that so that way you, you're gonna have the best possible team and you only can bring 12 guys there anyways so i mean yeah, they just have to just come up with a better team next time around. Obviously, the Olympics, they'll definitely probably have their best team for sure for that. So, but moving on. Moving on. But there's a lot of high school news got to get into right now. A lot of stuff has gone on this past month and early September. I mean, August last month. And then early September, as a lot has gone on, a lot of big names have just committed to schools. I have, I had like the two as big names. I already put them on the website. Um, I've been talking about Terrence Clark for a while. He just, he's, uh, he's in class of 2021. He's entering his junior year. He's playing for Brewster Academy in Massachusetts. Uh, no, excuse me, that's in New Hampshire. I'm sorry, that's in New Hampshire. But yeah, he's playing for Brewster Academy, and that's that stat team, and and, and um, you got a bunch of guys uh, playing on that team. You got Matt Cross, you got Demar Langford, and you got Terrence Clark. A few other guys that are you know uh, freshmen and sophomores that are highly rated as well, playing for that team as well. So they're gonna be a they're gonna be a wagon. But uh, so Terrence Clark, he just committed to uh, Kentucky. So he, I mean, I was saying like early in the, I was playing, saying probably like maybe early in the year, or when I first started making my few, first few episodes, that he's been looking at, uh, you know, two the two top teams in Duke and Kentucky. He's been looking at those as like one of his like top choices. He he just announced his top six maybe a couple weeks ago. Um, I was kind of a little bit giddy because BC was t- part of that top six. I was like, oh shoot, if BC gets him. But I, I I knew that was a pipe dream. I knew he wasn't going to BC. Like, come on, man. We got Duke and Kentucky looking at you. We got UCLA looking at you. Why would you go to BC? Like, that's just obvious. But it would have been nice to dream of that scenario of him playing on it, 
playing for Boston College, playing for his hometown. But uh, yeah, but he's from he's from Roxbury, Dorchester area, and he's a homebred kid, and he's going to Kentucky. So like I said, the last time we've had a guy, you know, that was as highly touted as as this guy to come out was Nerlens Noel a couple years ago in 2000, 2012, I believe. He got he got recruited to the same school, Kentucky. Uh, he he's from Everett. He's from Everett, Mass. So it's like, I mean, not, it's it's kind of rare to really find, you know, um, thoroughbred athletes that can, or, or, or stud athletes that end up coming up from Massachusetts. More of a football state. I feel like there's more good football players that come out of Mass than basketball players. But you never know. There's, there's a few that come out in Boston here and there. But not, you know, it's not like a hotbed not nearly close to a hotbed like all those other bigger states like Florida, Texas, and Chicago, New York, and California. It's not like that. So, I mean, when you see towns like this come from Boston and then end up making it, it's, it's, it's a nice story. So, congratulations to him. Like I say, he's going to Kentucky, playing in the SEC, played for John Calipari and that, and that. So, you know, he's from Boston. So, you know, He'll be on, you know, all those, you know, national networks, ESPN. All. He's that's that's pretty cool to to find that out. But uh, yeah, so we'll move on to the next uh, commit. Um, like I said, another big name. He's also from Massachusetts. He's also playing for Brewster Academy. I think you guys might know what I'm hinting at. Um, I've been talking about him a lot. He had a great summer. For uh, he played for uh, BABC in the, in the Nike EYBL tournament. I'm talking about Matt Cross, he's going to be a Miami Hurricane. So he's going, you know, down south to Florida. Um, this is a a, a, a huge uh, commit for. Uh, uh, forget his name, the coach. Uh, he, he used to. He used to coach for George Mason. Why am I blinking on his name? But uh, but yeah, like, like he he's his versatility is what really caught my eye on a lot of the footage I watched from him. Um, like I said, he's like six seven, two twenty five, big kid. You know, normally you know guys are undersized coming into as a freshman. He's already he's already got NBA size, can already play the small forward position. Um, can do it all, can go inside, can go outside, can handle the ball, can can do it all, man. He can flat out do it all. Um, oh, yeah, J- Jay Laranega, that's the head coach for, for my Jay Laranega. Um, we all remember him. He had a big run with George Mason back in the day. He, um, he, he beat UConn. I think that was Kimball Walker's UConn team, if I'm not mistaken. I think that is. I'm not sure. I mean, there were so many good UConn teams. But, yeah, he beat UConn in the Elite Eight, made it to the Final Four. He ended up uh, getting the head coaching job in Miami a couple years ago. He's been there ever since. And now this is probably his biggest recruit by far. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's landed some four stars. But, I mean, he, Matt Cross is special. Like, he's going to be an – I think he has a chance to be an NBA player. Same thing with Terrence, Terrence Clark. I think he has a he has a – chance to be an NBA player as well. So keep an eye on those two. Remember I said that. I said that Matt Cross and Terrence Clark are going to be NBA players. 
I mean, sure, sure enough, they are they are on the ESPN 100 list. If you want to check it, they're on the ESPN 150 list. So they're they're from Massachusetts, but they're also nationally ranked, you know, as like the top 150 players in the country. So these are these are major major names. So, but he decided to go out of state and go to Miami. So congratulations to him. Um, next one I didn't put on the site yet. Aiden Carpenter, he commits to a more smaller school. He commits to Siena. Um, like I said, his uh, AAU team is Rhode Island. The Rhode, man, these names I can't even think of them. But uh, but yeah. Anyways, he plays for Lee Academy. He plays for Lee Academy. Um, this will be, he's going into his senior year. He'll be, he's in the class of 2020. Watch out for him. He's going to be on my list for, uh, in the top 100. He'd probably be in the, um, obviously in the upper half of that, of that list, maybe in the 20, 30 range, possibly. Like he's pretty highly, rec- uh, pretty, pretty talented kid. Um, he's six five, one hundred eighty five pounds. Um, yeah, so he's very talented, a, a good slasher, um, can do it all, um, great ball handler. So, yeah, so he's going to Siena. That will be where he'll be playing at. And Siena, I believe that's in New York. Another guy that I've, I've talked about a little bit, um, he plays for that, uh, top school in Connecticut, East Catholic. Which a lot of players have been coming out of there. It's a pretty, uh, it's like a plenty of power in Connecticut at this point. I mean, they, I think they won back-to-back state tournament, uh, state championships. Um, his name is Matt Nolan. He's a guard. He's gonna be committed to Yale, so he's gonna stay in state. Um, nice size, six five, one seventy five, almost one eighty. Um. Similar to Aiden Carpenter, um, like I said, good ball handling ability, good isolation score, good shooter. Like he, he has the full package. The only thing about him, the only slight about him, he's got to get a little stronger. You know, still kind of uh, a frail body. You know, entering D one. Um, Yale's got a good program, man. So obviously they've which we'll get into that later on in the show, which they're part of the top 10 for New England. They got a nice program. They just they just made it to an NCAA tournament game. I mean, NCAA tournament bid last year. So they're one of the top, you know, teams, you know, in, in the country, I would say. You know, one of the top mid-major teams in the country. It's Harvard and, the, Harvard and Yale that have been really made strides over the years, and their programs are definitely have been pretty consistent overall. Consistently, they make it into that Ivy League championship game, and they, they're flirting with the NCAA tournament every year, getting 20 wins and whatnot. They had 20 wins last year. They had a very successful season. They just had an NBA player get drafted as well. So the, the good things are going on in, in for for Yale. It's not just a, a, a smart Ivy League school with just – you know, guys that are smart is actually a pretty good basketball program as well. So they've definitely, definitely gone a long way. And that, 
and they added a very talented guy, Matt Nolan. He's a winner too, you know. He's won a lot of games in high school. Um, he's definitely gonna be really good for Yale. Uh, the next, uh, next, like I said, there's a lot going on. I think I got two more guys I'm gonna, I'm gonna get into. Uh, Jordan Geronimo. He commits to another uh, blue blood university, uh, Indiana. Uh, he's he's committed to University of Indiana or IU or Indiana Indiana University. That's what you would usually call it. But uh, yeah, he he attended St. Paul's um, in New Hampshire. Another guy that has pretty good size, six five, one eighty seven. He's a guard, or he, he plays plays a two guard position. Um, didn't haven't got to see much footage of him. So I really can't really give you much of a scouting report, but check out for him on my on my top 100 list. I'll have a full scouting report on him. So just check up on that uh, later on in future podcasts. And obviously, I have the full list on the website once I get it completed. Uh, just just so you know, I will post the 60 through 80 on the website uh, probably by the end of this week. So check out for that. Um, already the 80 through 100. If you haven't seen it yet, it's already on the website. So check out for it. Rimsandnets.com. R-I-M-S. Double N-E-T-S. Dot com. So check it out. I'm going to make sure I update it weekly with new stuff, breaking news, all that. It's going to be on the website every week. And then, all right, we'll get to the last name. Because, like I said, we're short on time. Trying to get this done, but at least maybe keep it within an hour. But uh, Sam Thompson, uh, another small school. He's com- he's committed to to Colgate. This kid's a big kid. He's six nine, two fifteen. Um, his AAU team is the Middlesex Magic. He's another. Uh, well, he's not from Massachusetts. He's from Canada, but uh, obviously it says on his bio that he's from like he played. Like he plays in the Massachusetts area, but he's from he's from Canada. But he he attends the he's he's attending the Brooks School, which is in Massachusetts. And then, like I said, don't have a really uh, in depth scouting report right now. Just check back uh, with me on him. He'll be on the, the top one hundred list. I think he's in the thirties, so he'll probably be in the thirties. So check back. You know, I'll have a full in-depth scouting report of, of Sam Thompson. So once again, Sam Thompson, he commits to Colgate. So congratulations to him. All right. So we're, we're going to switch gears. Now for the Rims and Nets, top 100 high school of class of 2020. We're going to get into the the third tier of this list, 40 through 60. Um. Like I said, I'm just going to, you know, give you a few names that, you know, stuck out to me as, you know, players that will definitely make an impact in the next level. Like, you got to look out for them because I think they're going to really be really good in the next level. Um, So my first guy, which I seen was really, I thought he was pretty impressive with the footage that I've seen of him, is our guard, Sean James. Um, he's right now, he's going to St. Andrews, going to his senior year. Um, he's 6'2", 175. 
But let me just, uh, I keep on forgetting uh, to look at that list. What's really like the worst, I have a few notes and I'm trying to look back at the list that I had them on or the number ranking I had them on. Just bear with me. Okay, Sean. Yeah, so I had him at 58 on my list. So he'll be he'll be you know listed as 58. Like I said, he's 6'2", 175. Uh, his strengths. He has um, he has an explosive burst and quickness, getting to the rim, strong first step, has abilities to change gears, pull up on a dime, you know, make pull up jump shots, runners in the lane. One thing that really sticks out to him is he uh, sticks out to his game is that he's a really good passer. He, we've seen some uh, all-world passes he made and highlight reel passes that he made and, and um, the footage I watched of him. He's like he's a really good passer. Has very good court vision. Very good court vision and just he just he's a natural passer. So that's going to be something that he he'll really. Um, he'll definitely could translate to the next level. Um, as far as weaknesses go, I would say he's not an elite athlete. He's a good athlete, but he's not an elite athlete. So you're looking for that, especially it's hard to really find that. And, you know, in the fifties, you're not going to really find the best athletes. There's a few sprinkled here and there on my list, which I mentioned, you know, in, you know, earlier podcasts and, you know, on the list that's on the website, um, but yeah, like he, he definitely isn't the best athlete, but I'm, he's, he can move. He's quick, man. He's, 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 he's got, he's got wheels. He's very quick, but I wouldn't say he's a, a really good vertical athlete. He's not going to jump over and dunk on you. He's not that type of guy. He's pretty much, you know, under the rim type of, uh, player that can finish. He's still a very good finisher, um, can, can finish all different type of ways, finger rolls, up, you know, uh, reverse layups, all that. He has that in his repertoire. But uh, but yeah, and then another thing with him, he has to gain some weight. He's only a buck seventy-five at this point. He could, you know, it would benefit him to maybe gain maybe five, maybe ten more pounds, just so that way he has a little, you know, a little bit of strength coming in. He's gonna be playing against grown men. He's not gonna be playing against guys that he dominated in high school, physically. Like now, it's it's you know he's playing guy against guys that are his size. So he's gonna to have to probably bulk up a little bit. But other than that, he's got he's got a very good skill set. You know, obviously he matches it with his athleticism, and he's gonna be a solid player in the next level. He's one of my guys that I'm I'm gonna spotlight. And, you know, in this, you know, 40 through 60, you know, position, um, 40 through 60 tier. All right, the next player, which um, we've seen him play in the Nike EYBL tournament this summer. He played for elite, the Elite Expressions team. Um, the guard forward, Aaron Gray. Um, he's a... Uh, just see where his number is, so that way you have an accurate, well, he's accurate listing, but he's, uh, 
He's I listed him at 54. So his height and weight, he's 6'6", 185. He's attending Springfield um, Commonwealth Academy in Massachusetts. So that's a private school or prep school. The thing that sticks out with him is his versatility. Um, Jack of all trades, a Swiss Army knife type of guy. Um, like I said, I just mentioned he, he plays for Lead Expressions. So that's that's a lead company. When you can make, make it to those teams, those are probably the top players in the area, in the New England area, that make it to those two teams, the BABC, um, BAB, BABC I don't know why. BABC team and and the elite expressions are just where the elite of the elite play. You know, a lot of those guys you'll find, you know, more early in this list that played on those teams. So he's an elite company playing on those teams. Um, But yeah, he's like probably the one. And then obviously his versatility sticks out. And then he's a very good rebounder. He was one. It was one uh, highlight I seen of him. Um, he was able to get like three or four rebounds in one possession, offensive rebounds in one possession, and was able to finish that play. Like that's the toughness that he has. He's a very tough kid, gritty, grimy. You know, will do everything for the team. He has probably you know may not be a a lead guy, which that's you can list that as a weakness. May not be a lead guy. More, uh, he's more you know projected to be a more of a role player. So that's probably what he'll end up being in, in, you know, in college. He'll probably be more of a role player. But yeah, like he, he has a lot of, a lot of skills to his game. And he's like I said, he's a jack of all trades. But like, like I said, there's a downside to that. Some of those guys are not really particular great in in, in any area, and that that definitely, uh, definitely what is. Definitely is what he is. He's definitely not really particularly great in one area, but he's good in a lot of. He's you know he's a decent. He has decent skills in in, in a lot of areas, and then like I said, he just I don't see him being a lead guy, and I see him being more of a role player, and then and, and probably in you know, the next level wherever school he goes to, I see him being more of a role player. If he is going to be playing at the D1 level, I don't know if he's going to be playing at the D1 level. He might not. He might be in the Division II level. He might have a better, bigger role. But as far as like as a D1 prospect, I think he's more of a role player than anything else. And all right, so my next guy. So we mostly we got mostly guards on the that are really I feel making going to make an impact. But my next guy is a guard. Jaden Graham, which I have him. Let's see, I have him at fifty-two. So Jaden Graham is at fifty-two. Um, he went to he went to Hyde Academy, which I believe that's in Maine. Yeah, it's in Maine, private school in Maine. Um, he's about six-three. Slim guy, 6'3", 180, 180, 175. Um, freak athlete, has an enormous wingspan. Um, and that's probably what sticks out to him the most is his athleticism. You've seen, a, I've seen uh, 
a lot of highlights where he was coming from behind and uh, chase blocking guys and, you know, getting in the passing lanes, getting steals and really just, you know, making um, highlight real dunks, just really just showcasing his athleticism. And, you know, obviously that may change when he gets to the next level. He may not be able to really showcase all of that, depending on what system he plays for. I think he needs to play for a team that's you know wants to go up and down, more of an up tempo team. That's where he can really showcase his his athletic ability because he's a freak athlete. But uh, it all depends. A lot of times, uh, depending on you know the fit, it means everything for a lot of these players, especially the players that are really kind of borderline stars or borderline echelon players and a lot of these guys i'm naming right now like in the borderline of two or three star prospects realistically so i if i had a look at Jaden graham i probably think he'd like more of a three-star prospect maybe a four-star prospect depending on you know what site you might see him on but uh yeah i mean he's he's at 52 so he's probably a three-star you know most you know you know, your 247 sports and your uh, rivals or all your calls basketball recruiting sites. That's he's probably that's where he'll be th- a three star prospect. But his athleticism is what make what's what makes him good. His weaknesses are his, his body, his body has to get more stronger, which that, I can say that for a lot of guys, but it's the truth. Guys have to really bulk up when they get to this level. I mean, depending on you know. Depending on the situation, it could be Kevin Durant and, you know, be, but it all depends. It all depends. You know, some, some guys don't, you know, do well bulking up. So I can't really, I mean, I'm just going to say that as a, as a guideline. I'm not saying you got to be 20 pounds bigger when you come in, but I just say, like, maybe it would help to add just a few more pounds just to get yourself if let's just say if you have inspirations to be an NBA player, then you have to bulk up then. Like you can't really get away with being small. Like as you can see, Kevin Durant is the best player that he can possibly be. Right now he started at what? His rookie year he was like what, two hundred, two ten? Now he's like two thirty five, two forty. Same thing with Greek free. Same thing with Ghanis. Ghanis was only like two hundred pounds, buck ninety when he was a rookie. Now it's like 235 pounds, and look look at the muscles and definition that he has because he put in the work in the gym to get bigger. Like that's you know I mean you put you get yourself a head start. I I I was able to like mention Matt Cross already being you know NBA size already, and he's only a freshman, so just you know he's he's already has inspirations of being an NBA player. Like when you take it that serious and you have those inspirations of being an NBA player. I mean, it, it's going to show in your body. It's going to show, in, you know, in your work effort and what you, what your inspirations truly are. And I'm just, like I said, not everyone has to be big. Not everyone has to, I mean, you can be small and still be productive or still have a smaller body type and still be productive. It, it's not, it's not, it's not going to break, break you as a prospect, especially early on. You still have time to fill out over the years. You still have some time. You know, you still got a good couple of years to you probably be thinking about the NBA. A lot of these guys will probably have to play a few year, few years if they want to have a chance to the NBA. And then who knows what happens? You know, who knows what you could end up being in a few years? 
But like I said, I think he has a good foundation being the athletic ability that this kid has and the wingspan. He has a, a very good wingspan as well. So that translates to the next level. So Jaden Graham should definitely be a good prospect. Like I said, besides that, he's a good scorer, but, you know, sometimes his focus is not there. So that's probably a, a weakness that I would have for him. But like I said, uh, yeah, just a lot a lot more strengths than weaknesses for him. Um, let's get into probably two more players I have caught my eye on. Um, oh, yeah, so Primo Spears. I feel like I really picked all guards. I, I, I didn't mean to do it that way, but it just happened that way. It just seemed like there's a lot of guards around this area. I mean, around the you know this tier. So I mean, here's another guard, Primo Spears. Um, he's from Connecticut. Goes to Windsor High School. He's six two, one sixty. Another small guy. One sixty is kind of small, man. You gotta gain a little weight than that. Hopefully, coming into senior year, he might gain a few pounds, but who knows? But as of right now, he's he's one sixty. Six two, one sixty. His strengths, solid ball handler, uh, very good quickness, very good agility, moves well, good defender. Uh, displays excellent body control. He, he's good at weaving through uh, the defense, you know, getting into the tight spots and the creases of the defense, kind of like Greek Freak-like, how he can just get into the creases and, and slash his way to the rim. Very good finisher, makes tough finishes inside. And his weaknesses, obviously, I just mentioned it, he needs to gain some weight. Um, small hands, doesn't have the biggest wingspan, unlike uh, Jaden Graham, that, you know, obviously looks the part. You know, Primal Spirits has to work on his body a little bit. But the athleticism, all that, he has all that. Ball handling, he has all that. Can go one-on-one on guys, can... Break guys down, break down the defense, can penetrate. He has all that. That's his strength coming in. You know, shooting. He's I think he's pretty good at that. He's a very good pull-up jump shooter. Can pull up on a dime off the drive. Can hit the spot up J as well. So he's he's got all that. He just got to work on his body, like a lot of these guys. Um, and then for the last player. I have at 43, which, once again, is another guard. I'll definitely mix it up next time around. <laughs> it just seems like there's a lot of guards that are really good. So I had to, like, just say the best of the best, and these were the best of the best that I think are going to make an impact. All right, so guard Jalen Sinclair. Um, he plays for Suffolk Academy, another guy from Connecticut. Um, solid scorer. Can break his defender down with the dribble. Proving point guard skills. Played a lot of two guard. Even though he's 5'10", he played a lot. You know, in the footage, he looked like he was playing a lot of two guard. There was other there was other players that were bringing the ball up, and he was kind of more of a two guard position. But he's proven his uh, point guard skills because he still can find the open man. He still can make nice passes, and, you know, he still has pretty good court vision. His wheat, you know, obviously he's going to need that in the next level as he's only 5'10". He needs to learn how to play point guard. He's only, you know, he's still a small guy out there. He's going to have to learn how to be a point guard. 
Uh, weaknesses, obviously his size. He's only 5'10". And then that size is going to hurt you. I mean, we, we all joke around and say, like, you know, a lot of these, you know, these smaller guys, you know, they can be decent defenders. But in reality, you're 5'10". You're a small guy playing in a big a big man sport. You're going to struggle out there. You're going to be isolated on. They're going to put... They're going to um, call plays and run isolations, you know, on you and put you in the post. They're going to do that in the next level. That's just part of it, man. This is part of, you know, being at a disadvantage like that. But hopefully he can show that competitive spirit that he has and, and work out there, even though he's, you know, he's a shorter guy. You know, you still have a bunch of guys that were able to make it. You know, you got Isaiah Thomas, you got Nate Robinson. Obviously, Spud Webb, if you want to go way back like that. But, I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, height doesn't really matter that much. It is. It can be an issue, but as long as you have the athletic ability to, to really confiscate for that and the the ability to to have a, a really good skill set and a good basketball IQ, you can definitely confiscate for the height. I'm pretty sure he, he might have a chance to do that. Obviously, I, I'm obviously giving him the respect as he's at 43, and he plays at, you know, a high-level competition in Connecticut. So those, you know, I mean, this guy plays against Putnam Academy, which I think Putnam Academy is like the top private school in New England, I think. That and Brewster. Brewster's probably number one, and then obviously Putnam's number two, and they play Putnam every year. So you're playing against really high-level competition, and you're doing it against against high-level competition. So you got to give him his props and, that's why he landed at 43. All right, so we'll wrap that part of the show. We're going to wrap it up on the last part where we're going to get into my um, college basketball top 10 for New England. Um, last week we got into um, 8 through 10. Now uh, this week we're going to get into 5 through 7. Um and we're going to start it off with uh, number seven. With uh, number seven, we got uh, the Yale Bulldogs, which obviously we mentioned it earlier. Um, we mentioned them earlier that had a successful season last year. Um, they made it to the uh, NCAA tournament. They beat Harvard in the, uh, the Ivy League championship game. So, yeah, like, they, I don't know, I think, do they play a championship game? I'm trying to remember, is it, does it go by record, or does it go by, or regular season record, or does it go by a champ? I think they play, I think they play a championship game. Yeah, they do, I think they do. I think for a while it was, it was different, where they played, they didn't play a championship game, it just went by record, but I don't think that's the case. I think they play a championship game, they played, they, uh, they beat, you know, Harvard or whatever to win the Ivy League and they end up facing off against LSU in the NCAA tournament and they got slaxed. They got they got murked. <laughs> they got murdered in that game. So so I don't know. I mean I would say that they should have high expectations coming into this year because they do bring back a, a a good amount of players that played on that team. So it's not like they're going to have to rebuild the entire team 
far as the top players coming back, uh, guard Isaiah Swain, he's coming back. Uh, and then uh, you got forward Paul Atkinson, which I think he was very big for them, one of their top scorers. And then also guard slash forward Jordan Bruner, or actually forward Jordan Bruner. I think the biggest thing with this team is their is their front court. Their front court is really strong. Um, they're bringing in they're bringing in a nice uh, a decent recruiting class as well. I think their top recruit is AJ um, EJ Jarvis, which he stands at six eight two twenty. The, the guy can handle the ball like a guard out there. Um, can you know is a stretch big modern day stretch big. Uh, he's going to definitely be a, a guy that they don't even have on the roster right now that can do all that, all those, all those skills. Paul Atkins is more of an inside guy, but he can stretch the floor as well. But uh, I think that yeah, they're bringing in a good amount of talent, and I think I think Jarvis can make an impact for them this year. Um, yeah, and so the, the size has to be what uh, gets them to the gets them to win an Ivy League championship this this year. Obviously, they got to worry about Harvard. Harvard's bringing in a really stacked roster for next year as well. And Harvard, Harvard had a very good recruiting class. I think I mentioned one of the players that they already have recruited coming into 2021 that uh, played for Oak Hill. So their program is not going away. And Yale has to face that every year. As that's their, you know, that's their, I wouldn't say their in-state rival, but that's their rival in, in all sports. It's, Harvard's not going away. And Yale has to be ready to 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 stay at their level. And so far, they got a pretty good squad, man. I think they're going to be flirting with 20 wins. And I think their front court's going to be really what's going to take them there. And it's going to have to do with the development of RZA Swain. R.J. Swain is from Brockton, Mass., so he's from Massachusetts, Massachusetts native, so brings over that local flair, you know, but even though it is a local school in Connecticut. Um, but, yeah, like, if R.J. Swain has a nice year and then uh, Paul Atkinson has a nice year, Jordan Bruner plays well, and E.J. EJ Jarvis ends up becoming... Um, what we think he what we what we think he possibly could be, then they're gonna have a strong year. They're gonna have a strong year and they'll be flirting for an Ivy League championship game. And hopefully an NCAA tournament bid. Alright, for number six I got I got the UMass Minutemen at number six on my list. Um UMass they got hurt. That that's for sure. They got hurt um, they lost a few guys to to transfer um, to the transfer port, um, but they also were able to get another transfer back. But they lost they lost Lawan Pimpkins. Lawan Pimpkins transferred to Providence, so they lost their top scorer in Lawan Pimpkins. They lost him, and they also had they lost one of the more athletic guys in in uh, Lawrence. Which you know he could kind of play forward. He's like a swing, a swing man out there. Can play the three. Yeah, they lost him. I think he went to Oklahoma State. So they lost a few guys to the transfer portal. They end up getting a grad transfer back, and 
DeJaron Baptiste. Um, he transferred from Vandy. So he was a grad, he's a grad transfer. He already graduated. So he has one year of eligibility left. And he decided to transfer to UMass. So that that really bolsters their, bolsters their size. The guy stands at close to 6'10", 245 pounds. He's a big physical guy, a grown man out there. Um, they also got a, uh, the top, you know, top recruit in Massachusetts this year in Trey Mitchell. So that they got, they got a pretty good recruiting class coming in. They got about four, three or four guys they recruited. A young team. It's going to be a young team. They really don't have that much coming back from last year's team. So they're going to have to really depend on their youth. But, but they have a very talented team. Their youth is very talented. Trey Mitchell, expect him to have a big impact this year. Like, I think Trey Mitchell will have a huge impact this year. Expect some big things out of him. And then probably the probably the top returning player is Carl Pierre. He averaged about close to eleven a game, eleven points per game. Um, he's he gives them some perimeter scoring and perimeter shooting. And he's, a, he's somewhat of a you know a player that you know more of an experienced player. He's a junior, but at the, overall this team's gonna be young. And I'll probably have to say. Like like uh, Yale, they have to depend on their front court to really be successful. Their front court is really big, and they got a few guys that are that even guys that I didn't mention that you know stand at six nine, and they got a few six nine guys on the roster. So you know, obviously, uh, Baptiste is six ten, close to two fifty. So and Trey Mitchell, he's Trey Mitchell six nine two forty as a freshman. So he's a big guy coming in as a freshman. He's a physical presence out there. So, I mean, they they should be able to, you know, dominate the interior. And um, obviously they have to rely on Carl Pierre to really help out on the perimeter to really give them more of a balanced team. But, yeah, they're going to be young. They're going to have some growing pains. But I think UMass in the end will be flirting with, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I just It's going to be tough because they played in Atlantic 10. Atlantic 10 is a tough conference. So they may not make an NCAA tournament bid. I think they're a little bit too young to make an NCAA tournament bid, but I think they'll be good enough to really beat some teams and really kind of flirt with, you know, possibly getting into getting a tournament bid. Depends on how good the Atlantic 10 is. They could probably get, you know, Atlantic 10 usually gets about three or four seat, three to four uh, bids every year. So it all depends if they're that four team. If they, if they could be that 14, then they probably might get an at-large bid, depending on how good the conference is. So, that, you know, even even if they're not a 20-win team, they still can get maybe 17 or 18 wins and probably maybe get an at-large bid. They could probably finish 18 and 12, something like that, and maybe get an at-large bid, depending on how well they do in their non-conference schedule. It all depends. It all depends on the how how well your conference does in the non-conference schedule. All right, so, all right, for the final team to wrap this up, because we're getting close to about an hour on this segment, but it's been a pretty productive segment, I, I have to say. But uh, number five, you got the Vermont Catamounts, which I think this team is going to be scary good. I think this team is going to be one of the better mid-major teams in the country. 
I'm telling you that right now. You heard it first. It, you heard it first from me. College basketball season starts. I'm gonna get get you guys, you know, you know some games that you might say, oh, upset alert. That team might 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 ask the upset that team whether they're playing a, a, a one of the Giants like North Carolina or Duke or whatever. I don't know what their non-conference schedule is, but I like to look at it just to see what kind of Giants they have on that schedule that they possibly could knock off. Because this team's going to be pretty good. They're pretty deep as well. And they got some experience. They got a, a top scorer coming back that averaged about 21 a game last year. Anthony Lamb, he's pretty good. This Vermont uh, Catamounts team did go to the NCAA tournament last year. I think they had 26 wins. 20, they had a high 20s in wins. Like they're, they're expected to have a big year this year. Like This is, this is going to be a big year for them. Um. Uh, they mentioned like in one of their uh, notes on their website that uh, they're going to be honoring T.J. Sorrentine and Taylor Culpenrev, which those those two guys were pretty uh, were pr- pretty key cogs to what they were able to start with that program. I think they had their first or close to I believe it was they their first NCAA tournament win, and they beat Syracuse. They upset Syracuse that year. And those two guys were a big part of that. So they're going to be honored uh, the first game of the year, which I believe is the exposition game, with a, with a jersey uh, retirement ceremony. So just by that alone, it just showed you that they, Vermont is expected to have a big year this year, and they want to you know kind of kick it off with a bang. So that's probably what they want to do with that. And like I said... Like they're returning a lot of talent. Anthony Lamb, I just mentioned, 20, 21 a game, 7.8 rebounds a game. He's 6'6", 220 pounds, a big kid. You know, can can shoot the ball really well. Um, they, they got a top recruit, uh, Eric Beckett. Um, he played for Tilton Academy in New Hampshire. Um, he'll probably be on my list. No, why am I saying that? He's a, he already graduated. He's in 2019. But yeah, um, he's pretty good. Eric Beckett, I believe he was, um, in a lot of recruiting sites. So he's like, uh, I think he's a three-star recruit. So it's a decent, decent recruit they got. Plus, it just uh, they didn't really have to get a lot of recruits because their team, they're bringing back most of their guys back. Um, they also have a nice point guard in uh, Seth, Seth Smith. Um, nice uh, point guard that really is experienced. He's a, he's coming into his, uh, I believe, his senior year. So they got a lot of experience coming back from last year's team. They learned that it's not easy playing teams in the first round. And I think they'll learn a, a lot from that experience and they're going to be more hungry coming into the season. And I, I expect this team to have close to 25 to possibly 30 wins. You heard it here first. Like, they're going to have a strong year. Obviously, they play a weak, they play in a weak conference in, in the American East. So they're going, to, they're going to do work. They're going to do major work. They're going to be really good. That's why I have them at number five. I have them over UMass. That tell, that should, that's telling you something. I have them over UMass. So that's saying something. All right, so we'll wrap this show up. 
Um, this is your host, Rob Morris. You're listening to the Rims and Nets podcast. I'm out. Peace.